Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Somebody I love to read the tweets of, I always retweet. I like him personally and professionally and love having him on the show. Ian Milheiser is our guest, senior constitutional policy analyst at the Center for American Progress and the editor of Think Progress Justice. you got to check it out. He's also author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's nearly unbroken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. I kind of felt like I was afflicted on November 8th. But anyway, Ian, good afternoon. Welcome, buddy. Good to have you back with us. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, a whole lot of affliction going on right now. I know, I know, I know. But let's talk about something you know far more about than I do and most average bears out there, and that is the Supreme Court. Now, this, sure is, some, this is something left and right individuals are trying to hit home before the election, which is despite the composite of the chambers of Congress, the House and the Senate, and who has a majority, which is currently and will remain, unfortunately, as a Democrat, I say Republican, Despite cabinet picks, and we're seeing some crazy ones coming from President-elect Trump that certainly scared the living bejesus out of those of us on the left, um, the, the power, real, 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 real power that can affect an American's life individually, you know, like you really can feel the impact, is the power to select a Supreme Court justice. We have a seat open. Republicans did not want to confirm uh, have hearings or even vote on and certainly confirm Merrick Garland, the choice, a very a moderate choice. A lot of people said, you know, great choice, incredible history, well liked by both left and right, uh, President Obama's nomination, and that Republicans wanted to wait until after the election. Well, they got what they wanted. Uh, a Republican won. Donald Trump will be president uh, next month, uh, just weeks ahead. He will be uh, sworn in on Inauguration Day. And he is going to fill that seat. Let's talk about Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee uh, shortlist. Um, and, sure. and, and first of all, so that people understand, although the, the president can't say this is who I want and put them there, um, it's not, although it's happened, it's not the norm for a nomination uh, to, to be refused and, and not to fully be nominated and reach that court, that seat. Is that correct? That's right. I, I mean, there are going to be 52 Republican senators, and that's a majority. So, you know, in order to block pretty much anything that Trump wants to do, either legislatively or in terms of a confirmation, you need to convince three Republicans that they don't want it to happen. And these Republicans that we've got in the Senate right now have not shown a particular inclination to break with their party very often. And, and, and that is what it comes down to is party. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the uh, short list. Um, there are a lot of people on the right who are excited about this. There's a buzz about a new uh, Supreme Court justice. Um, and that could cement a conservative majority on the bench 
And it could obviously for decades. This is a tenured position, right? And somebody right. until somebody quits or dies, basically. Um, right. And uh, President-elect Trump has given a firm commitment to Republicans that he's going to stick to a list of 21 potential conservative nominees. He released that list during the campaign. Um, Conservatives are very excited, dazzled by it. Uh, There is um, a justice, um, they say a tweeting justice, who sits on the Texas Supreme Court. There's an appellate judge in Alabama who has called Roe v. Wade an abomination. Um, Let's talk about that first, can we? Oh, I want to go through this list. I want to go through these people. But sure. you know who George Will is, don't you, Ian? I do know who George Will is. Okay, he, jo- he has gotten increasingly wacky. Right, okay, George Will is is a very staunch conservative. He was very right. anti-Trump, but he's a staunch conservative. And I um, do a show once or twice a month out of Washington on Fox News Channel called mm-hmm. Special Report with Brett Baer. And I've been on the panel with George, and, and he and I don't have tons in common. So uh, during the breaks, uh, you know, one time we were talking about Roe v. Wade, and he looked at me and he said, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land and always will be. It will never be overturned. Conservatives are fooling themselves. Do you agree with that? Uh, I mean, no, I don't. So it will not be overruled simply because Donald Trump puts one justice on the Supreme Court. And that's because when he adds another justice, that's going to restore something very similar to the balance we had before Justice Scalia died. And um, Justice Kennedy, who is a Republican who has voted a few times to maintain Roe v. Wade, is unlikely to change his mind. If Trump gets to appoint two justices, though, if he gets to replace um, Kennedy or Ginsburg or Breyer, all of whom are quite elderly, um, that's it for Roe v. Wade. I mean, do not bet on any one of the five Republican justices that would then sit on the Supreme Court um, voting to keep Roe v. Wade alive, because you know these are people who are very committed to their ideology, who have you know some of them from you know who are now in their 50s or 60s have been inculcated since their early 20s in a worldview that rejects Roe v. Wade, and they're not going to say, oh well, you know it wouldn't poll very well if we do this. No, this is what they were bred to do, and when there are five of them, they're going to do it. And what, despite the fact that polls show me that even though the majority of Americans may consider themselves pro-life, majority of Americans don't want Roe v. Wade overturned because because they they can Google what happened in history uh, prior uh, to Roe v. Wade uh, being overturned. I mean, I I think Ian, you would agree with me. There's yeah. a huge misconception that if there is no Roe v. Wade, there is no abortion, and that's not true. There's just not safe and legal abortion. Right. Well, what what happens if if Roe v. Wade is struck down is that you know, if all they do is strike down Roe v. Wade, the immediate response is that any state that has an anti-abortion law, and some states that have, out, have outright bans, um, those laws go into effect. Um, on top of that, if it happens while there's still a Republican Congress and a Republican president, I think there's going to be tremendous pressure from conservative interest groups to pass a nationwide abortion ban. Um, and if not an outright ban, certainly some very restrictive laws. So, you know, if Trump gets to appoint two justices, the path from having, you know, the, the state of abortion rights that we have right now to having no or virtually no abortion rights in this country is, is going to be very short. When we look at the Supreme Court's power, 
Does the Supreme Court have the power to give the power to the states or no? It has to make a decision like, you know, thumbs up or down on a, on a federal level. Well, so, I mean, when people say give the power to the states, you know, what's actually going So Roe v. Wade says that neither states nor the federal government can regulate or can ban abortion or regulate it in certain ways. Um, and if Roe v. Wade is overruled, then abortion becomes one of those things like zoning law, where state legislatures or can do pretty much whatever they want. Um, you know, right now, you know, there's the Constitution carves out certain areas that are treated as special and are treated as areas that our elected law, lawmakers aren't allowed to step on. You know, they're not allowed to step on our free speech. They're not allowed to step on, uh, you know, engage in race discrimination. They're not allowed to step on certain rights to be free from overreaching police and so on and so forth. Roe v. Wade says that abortion is one of those areas. And if Roe v. Wade is overruled, it just becomes an ordinary thing where, you know, Congress and your, your state legislature can do whatever they want. Um, and if you have a Congress that looks like the Congress that's going to be coming into power soon, they're probably going to do quite a bit. Okay, let's break it down now and look at some of these people on his list. Um, uh, the first is William Pryor. He's the one that I just mentioned that said Roe v. Wade is an abomination. He sits on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, and he would be the dream candidate for many conservatives, correct? Yeah, I mean, Pryor is someone who, I mean, some reports say that he's one of the two leading contenders. Very conservative. He's someone that um, Democrats actually tried to filibuster when he was nominated to the uh, 11th Circuit. They did not succeed in their filibuster. At least they didn't succeed in holding it together. Um, Not only very conservative, but Two areas of, in particular, I think, are concerning with Pryor, or three areas. I mean, one is that he's been very outspoken against Roe v. Wade. Um, the second is that um, he's been very hostile to voting rights. He, he wrote a decision in a voter ID case, and voter ID is, you know, an, basically an elaborate scheme to prevent low-income voters and black people from voting. Um, you know, he wrote an opinion that would have gone very far and making it very, very hard to challenge these kinds of voter suppression laws. And then the third thing is that he's very aggressive in these cases dealing where you have the religious right and they, there's a law that they don't like, so they claim they should have a special exemption where they don't have to follow it. He's been very aggressive in that space. And that means you know, not just that um, a lot of these battles we've had recently about birth control <coughs> could potentially go... Um, against women's right to use birth control, but a lot of anti-discrimination laws could potentially be in trouble because, of course, you've got a lot of religious groups who want to discriminate against gay patrons. Maybe they want to discriminate against other patrons. And if their religion trumps the law, that means they have a right to discriminate. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about more of these appointees um, that uh, Donald Trump has put forth as potential Supreme Court justices um, that would uh, take up the empty seat on our currently eight, needs to be nine-member Supreme Court of the United States panel. We'll be back right after this with our guest. We'll be back with you. Our guest, like I said, is Ian Milheiser, Senior Constitutional Policy Analyst at the Center for American Progress, editor of Think Progress Justice, and author of Injustices, the Supreme Court's Nearly Unbroken history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted we'll be back after this we're back 
I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Ian Milheiser. He's a senior constitutional policy analyst at the Center for American Progress and editor of Think Progress Justice. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at iMilheiser, I-M-I-L, is it L-L-I? Oh, no, Milheiser, M-I, excuse me, at I-M-I-L-L-H-I-S-E-R, at Think Progress as well, and that book. He, he authored, check it out, get a copy, Injustice is the Supreme Court's Nearly Unbroken History of Comforting the Comfortable and Afflicting the Afflicted. Good to talk about, uh, especially in this uh, regime change. Uh, Ian, thank you for holding. Welcome back. It's great to be back. Thank you. Let's talk about some other people. Diane Sykes, this is a, a woman, um, and this mm-hmm. is a woman, uh, 58. I mean, she's young, you know, for Supreme Court. Some people say she's a breath of fresh air to many uh, conservatives. Uh, uh, conservatives. Um, and she believes in a contraceptive mandate. Is that correct? Well, she she was she was against the, uh, the, the, the so Sykes, you know, to be honest, between Pryor, the judge we were talking about before the break, and Sykes, I'd rather have Pryor. Um, Pryor is someone who is very, very conservative, but I think has shown an independent streak and seems to have a theory of the law independent of just wanting to do whatever the Republican Party wants the courts to do on a particular day. I don't know that I can say that about Diane Sykes. Um, you know, she has also backed voter suppression laws. She's also said that um, religious um, objections to birth control can trump a woman's right to get birth control. Um, one ca- one opinion she wrote, which I, I frankly find to be a shocking position, is is she wrote that. Anti-gay groups, groups that want to engage in um, discrimination against gay people, have a constitutional right to receive government subsidies. You know, not just that they have a right to continue with their discrimination, but they have a right to have you and me, the taxpayer, pay for them to discriminate um, against gay people. Um, so she is someone who, I mean, I think that were she confirmed to the court, she would be a judge or a justice very much in the vein of Justice Alito, someone who is a very reliable vote for whatever the conservative movement happens to have on its wish list on any particular day, um, and not someone who I think is going to temper her views with a theory of the law. Let's continue because there's a long uh, list. Interesting. Uh, interesting. I always learn from you, Ian, and it's good because uh, then it's sort of like, oh, change my mind on that. Uh, but to your point, before we continue on, there are times that we have seen, like Scalia even, you know, he, right. he, he has voted left two or three times throughout his career. I mean, it does happen. And I think right. uh, that's what you're pointing to uh, with uh, regard um, to uh, prior over uh, Sykes. So let's go on right. to Raymond uh, Kethledge. Um, he uh, is going to be 50, uh, mm-hmm. um, also young, uh, in mid-December. A former clerk to Justice Anthony Kennedy uh, and currently sits on the Sixth Circuit. He served for one year as counsel to the Ford Motor Company. Um, what are the worries here? What are his critics saying? Yeah, well, Kethledge, I mean, Kethledge, I think, has less of an ideological profile than Pryor or Sykes. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's more moderate, just that he has less of a record than, than they do in contentious cases. You know, he did receive a bunch of praise from conservative media outlets um, when he sort of lit into the IRS in a recent case involving the IRS manufactured scandal where conservatives accused them of trying uh, accused the IRS of trying to go after him 
Um, and my understanding from, I mean, I clerked on the Sixth Circuit where he's a judge. He wasn't there when when I was there, but my understanding from clerks that followed me is that he generally has a fairly libertarian outlook. Um, so, I mean, I think that Kethledge, you know, based on what I've been able to piece together of him, while not the worst name on the list, um, I think that, he, you know, he's likely to vote as a fairly consistently, you know, as a very consistently conservative judge, um, you know, and part of the challenge with someone like Kethledge is that because he doesn't have the record that someone like a Sykes or a Pryor has developed, which shows, yes, no, this is in fact someone who is extraordinarily conservative in all of these areas, and we can point to specific bad things that would have happened under his opinions, the groups that are going to oppose the nominee are going to have a, you know, a more difficult time making out the, 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 you know, the sort of itemized case that will be very easy to make if someone like a Pryor or a Sykes is the nominee. Uh, we really appreciate you being with us. I'm sorry we were able to get uh, through the um, whole list. Uh, do guys, do we it's have a long for... list. Yeah, I know. Do we have time for one more, guys, or no? Okay, Qu- quickly, 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 Joan Larson. She was a clerk for Scalia. Yeah, Larson is one of the names that we also know the, the the least about. I mean, she's been a judge. She's been a justice on the Michigan Supreme Court for slightly longer than five minutes. Um, you know, we know that she is a former Scalia clerk. She know that she worked in the very conservative Office of Legal Counsel under President George Bush, although she says that she didn't have her fingers on the torture memos while those were going through OLC. Um, so we know less about her than we know about the other names. And, you know, I would put her in a similar box to Judge Kaplidge, where um, I think she's likely to turn out to be extraordinarily conservative, but it's not going to be as easy to make the case as it would be with the, with, with the Sykes or with the Pryor. All right. Thank you very much for being with us. Always a pleasure. We'll have you on again. Ian Milheiser, Senior Constitutional Policy Analyst at the Center for American Progress, editor of Think Progress Justice. Go to their website, thinkprogress.org. Also, AmericanProgress.org for the Center for American Progress. 